I finally got in here. Hey everybody, Saturday night, Microphones of Madness, very special episode today, uh, over there in usual land is Steve, Hey. and our nameless co-host. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> I have no name. I you have nobody. no name. We're having, we're having some technical difficulties with, with uh, Hangouts. My name tag. It's Madame Odysseus. Oh, there yeah. we go. Yeah. Yeah, you can be whoever you like. Hell yeah, I'm creating that. That is going to be a character for me to mastermind. Madam Odysseus. Madam Odysseus. Okay, so today's topic is one where we've hinted at for almost a year. Um, and we, we, we brought it up briefly in the Black Prisons episode last season. Um, and that is, that is Batman Shrugged. And... Christopher Nolan's political commentary and symbolism within the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, but first, we wanted to open up with the nonsense that started this, and that is a fan theory that was circulated. It was originally posted on Reddit, where a user decided that the Joker was actually the hero of the Dark Knight. Now... Somebody certainly got issues. Well... Basically, basically, the whole premise of the theory is is such that the Joker accomplished everything that Gordon, Dent, and Batman had set out to do within the course of the movie, but he did it in a particularly brutal fashion. Fight fire with fire. Fighting fire with fire. In fact, um, I think what they what they ended up doing to make this theory. Now they did the. I read the reread the theory again. And they didn't really get into the Joker's mindset. There was no, you know, he intended this to happen this way. Right. This is just how it happened. <clears throat> it was all circumstantial. Right. Now, really, he's... The, the fan theory uh, is more like Jason Todd in Under the Red Hood than the Joker. Because right. Steve, Steve remembers Under the Red Hood in that Jason Todd basically took over crime in Gotham City in right. order to control it. So right. in a lot of ways, which that's kind of a rip-off of the Green Hornet. But right. Or your boy, The Shadow. Well, The Shadow just killed people. He just yeah. killed the criminals. <laughs> he had a syndicate to take out the syndicates. Now, right. The Green Hornet posed as a criminal in order to take down other criminals, and Jason Todd just basically took over all of crime in one fell swoop. Fair enough. Which is pretty much what the Joker did in The Dark Knight. He, he set everything up, all the pawns fell, where he was the main power in the underworld in Gotham City. Which is a very Joker thing to do. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it wasn't... That doesn't make him the hero. That makes him, that makes him the Joker. Well, no, and because... The only motivation I figure that the Joker had in this whole movie was just to be an agent of chaos. He says it himself. He burns that stack of money, and everybody's like, well, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. because he doesn't care about money. He doesn't care like about anything. He just wants to see the world burn. Right. Right. I like simple things like gunpowder, dynamite, gasoline. <laughs> but the, the only reason why... 
um, you, this theory even has any water is because Dent, Batman, and Gordon are so incompetent. Mm, yeah. Mm. It's true. It's true that, you know, the Joker, completely unrestrained, goes in and accomplishes what men with codes have been trying to do. But it's such a tenuous um, Pops Romana at the end and into the next movie that they had to lie and cover up what actually happened mm-hmm. to make this piece go with the Dent Act. They had to basically right. say Dent was killed by the Joker, not by Batman. Or Batman killed Dent. Right. right. Not the not the Joker's involvement right. at all. Right. Batman killed Dent and Batman became a wanted man. That right. was but see, see, the thing is, is about the Dark Knight is that the Joker, who would waste no time to in, engage you in a philosophical discussion. Um, Although actually he does do that a couple times in the movie. He do, and he does. He, he doesn't waste any time at all. Um, he has no druthers about talking about his philosophy. Right, now, but truthfully, it's all distraction. Right. And... You know, the only hero, the only hero, actually in The Dark Knight, was played by Tiny Lister. If that is the guy who played the criminal who mm-hmm. threw the detonator the out convict of The convict who said, oh, yeah, that guy. give me the detonator and I'll do what it, what should have been oh. done 30 minutes ago. And he just throws it out the window yep. and sits right. down. And that's probably the most positive message that Christopher Nolan sends in the Dark Knight trilogy is that that ship full of convicts ended up being the most human you know that that ship full of convicts I mean they they talk about it itself you know it's like one ship is normal people the other ship is the dregs of society and the dregs of society ended up being the most, the more decent people. But Didn't you, the guy on the other boat do the very same thing? No, no he, he was. He, he wanted to do it. over the detonator, but then he put it right back in the box. They couldn't deal with it. Yeah. Now, according to the League of Shadows, is that mm-hmm. yeah, the League of Shadows? There are no innocents in Gotham City. Right. So even the innocents themselves are just people who haven't been caught. Right. Everybody in Gotham is corrupt. It's corrupt to the core. Destroying the entire city is the only... It's, Gotham City is a cancer to the League of Shadows. Right. You know, that those stalwart moral pillars who, mm-hmm. uh, instead of giving people a fair trial, just kill them for stealing a goat. Right, right. What and, are you um, doing? Stole a goat. Process. But, you know, it was the same thing. It was the same theme in... Um, in Arrow last season as well, where the it's League of Shadows, time. League of Shadows were like, you know, Starling City is just this corrupt mass, and you have to dis- we have to destroy it all. Right. The difference, though, is that Oliver wasn't. He appeared to be. Uh, he appeared to buy into that philosophy, but he mm-hmm. never did. Right. I think Batman is, from the beginning, 
is part of the League of Shadows. Mm -hmm. And I think the only reason he's doing what he is doing is because he's protecting his own interests. Right, right. Well, I mean, okay, so, so that, that sends us right into the main topic tonight. Um, <clears throat> so we start with Batman Begins. And first thing you notice right away is they've removed, they've cut out, <clears throat> excuse me, they've cut out a specific aspect of Batman's character, and that right. is the quest for revenge. Yep. Because Joe Chill was caught, he was tried, and he was convicted. And then he was executed. And then summarily executed. So, you know, the one of the driving forces behind Batman is that his parents' killer was never caught. And and without that, what what do you become? And and what is Batman fighting? Ordinary guy. Well, he, what what he becomes is, is he becomes this. Well, Christopher Nolan, of course, you know he he sets this up from the beginning that he that Bruce Wayne uses wants to use Batman as a symbol um, to strike you know fear and terror and theatrics and stuff like that. But what, what is he fighting for? He's fighting to return Gotham to this golden age symbolized by Thomas and Martha Wayne, who were the pillars of the community. You know, it's no, it's no coincidence that the monorail system where the climactic battle takes place runs to Wayne Tower in well, the heart of Gotham City. It's no coincidence that every bit of air quote crime that Batman fights in these movies has something to do with Wayne Enterprises. That's very true. It's very true. He doesn't actually put on the costume until Rachel Dawes is in danger. Right. So right there is is Batman fighting crime in Gotham City to protect his own interests. You know, really, the love of his life is in danger, so he puts on the costume, goes really, and protects her. This is an Iron Man movie more than a Batman movie. Well, it's true. It's true. I mean, you know, this Nolan's Batman and his gritty and realistic universe is a one percenter who puts on a costume and, you know, tries to protect basically protect his own business interests and return Gotham to an imagined golden age. Well, a place where his business interests can flourish. It's true. You, you will notice that it in, in begins when uh, he discovers that they're putting the uh, poison into the water supply in the slums. Mm -hmm. He doesn't do anything to stop him. He grabs Rachel and books to go to his birthday party with all of his 1% friends. And right. it, it isn't until that birthday party gets attacked that he goes into action as Batman. True. He basically wrote off the Narrows. And and because and the, one of the reasons he goes into action after the birthday party is that Ra's al Ghul reveals that it's Wayne Tech, uh, a Wayne Tech weapon that's going to be used now I don't know why he didn't figure that out when the thing was first 
stolen. That's the other thing about it. every character in these Batman's movies. Batman's intelligence works at the speed of plot. Yeah. Every character in these movies, except for the actual villain, is mm-hmm. as dumb as a box of rocks. And, and Lucius Fox. Right. And he's uh, selectively. He's only selectively smart. True. Yeah, but when he's smart, he is just, he kicks ass. Yeah, but he's, you know, he's just cute in this movie. He, that's all he is, is cute. I don't think so. I think he's more like the moral center that's not involved, but is instead impartial. I mean, you got Alfred, and he is definitely not impartial. He's, mm-hmm. he's Bruce Wayne's moral center as far as that goes, but he's too involved. Fox, on the other hand, is outside that. He's outside that relationship. And so he can... He is more impartial. He can give you a better point of view that you might not have gotten from Alfred. Right. Now, see, if... But here, here's the thing. If Bruce Wayne was... Bruce Wayne knew that the Scarecrow was into something big. Lucius Fox was able to synthesize an antidote to the fear toxin overnight. But it wasn't until like the last possible minute that Bruce Wayne said, can you put this stuff into mass production? Right. You know, I mean, if he... Batman, particularly like an O'Neill written Batman, would have spent probably half the movie half the runtime of the movie calculating and synthesizing the antidote for the fear toxin. Right. And the other and half of the movie putting... He couldn't, have, he couldn't have known that it would work until it was tested, though. Well, well he, he would have been in the test. For being realistic, you know, through years of testing and manufacture before they are mass marketed. But we're talking Batman. And, right. You know, yeah, Batman... You don't have years to... Right. So, so Batman has to find the antidote, and really, what hap- what usually would happen is, and what usually happens in a Scarecrow storyline, is that whatever new version of the fear toxin is released, Batman always gets dosed with it. Right. So he becomes the test subject. Right. For his own, for the antidotes. But he so, was he was already dosed with it, unfortunately. Right. Which should have told him what it was immediately, mm-hmm. and he should have been smart enough to know that oh, it's airborne, right? Oh, the big microwave emitter was stolen from my company. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're sticking it in the water supply. He should have known before right. it's going to happen. I mean, that's Batman. Batman isn't isn't about um, delegating the responsibility of figuring out what is going on. To his subordinates, or right. shouldn't be. random people he selects. Right, he now, he should be on the forefront and figuring out what's going on, and he just is not. In these right, movies. right. And and then you have then you have the fact that you know he he basically he delegates all the Batman work to Lucius Fox. Right. I mean, hell, and Alfred. Alfred mm-hmm. is building the cowl. Well, Alfred's building, the, and Alfred's the one who comes up with any strategies that mm-hmm. that they happen to to um, have. Right. It's like you know, it's like 
Bale's Batman is just the muscle yeah, he, for all these old guys. Well, it's like I said in the chat, he could have been he could have been Arnold, he could have been Bruce Willis, he could have been any action hero guy, except mm-hmm. he was dressed up like a bat in this case. Right. True. I mean, hell, his his foray into the Narrows. Um. Yeah, within the tumbler and everything, the big scene where he's racing to get there. He's not racing to get there to save anyone but Rachel Dawes. Right. You know. Well, he lets that tenement burn. Yep. He he lets the tenement burn. No telling how many people died in that fire. Yeah, because he got a little bit of spare gas. And and set on fire. Right. That that's a day in the life. That's true. Oh, sure. This is Batman Begins, yeah, though. Twice so. last week. Right. We're we're not talking about the Batman that Ben Affleck is supposed to be playing, who getting set on fire happens every other Tuesday. You know, I was dosed with fear gas and set on fire. Pretty average Tuesday. Dear diary. Dear diary. <laughs> and that fucking voice. Oh my like, gosh. And he makes duck lips whenever oh. he's. Whenever he's using the voice, it's like he's Batman posing for a selfie. Time to take a selfie. (laughs) (laughs) Which has nothing to do with uh, Ayn Rand. Who is John Galt? (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute, I'm John Galt. Oh, I'm John Galt. Y'all were, y'all were waiting for the entire episode for me to drop that, weren't you? Yes. Somebody had to. Somebody had to. I ran into the Joker at the Fountainhead. <laughs> he was listening to Rush and Trains. I love Trains. <laughs> so... <laughs> So speaking of speaking of trains, and and the comment that I made about um, returning to the golden age, and Steve has made this comment in in the chat as well, that Batman, Bruce Wayne, is hand selecting certain people in the upper echelons of Gotham society to rebuild Gotham. Yes, he chooses Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, he chooses Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent. He chose Rachel Dawes. Yeah. And and basically he's he's kind of being the Batman, the puppet master version. Kind of chose Talia Ghoul. Al Ghoul. Mm-hmm. Because she thought she was someone else. Right. Um So yeah, he's 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 pick hand picking these people and manipulating situations. I mean, we don't you know, you can't say that anything that Batman has done to root out corruption in Gotham City, what in particularly in the police department, was to elevate Jim Gordon. Right. Because it just so happens that every time Batman intervened, the next job up from what got where Gordon is now opens up. Right. <laughs> and he gets the job. Save for in the dark night where Commissioner Loeb was killed. And then Gordon gets the job. Oh, because they were... They, but that was because they needed somebody to throw under the bus. 
and and Loeb, you know, no matter what version of Batman you're watching, Commissioner Loeb gets thrown under the bus frequently. Yes. That's, that's just true. how it goes. That is true. So, so yeah, that's that's Dark Knight. I mean, Batman Begins. I mean, you know, Batman is more selfish than selfless. Um, he's definitely more an anti-hero than a hero. Mm-hmm. And okay. that kind of fits in. You know, that kind of fits in with the ma- the mythos of Batman, but yeah, he's mm, definitely not kind of, but hero. but the in the mythos of Batman, you have the Wayne Foundation, which I don't think that they know what that was established for in these movies. Well, yeah, yeah, the Wayne Foundation traditionally gives out tons of money. Shit ton of money for victims' rights. Victims' rights, um, they they do charities for homeless people, you know, and all of this stuff was missing from the Noah it, trilogy. It is, it is the other side of the Batman. So Batman, you know, the, the, the 75 years of a comic book character, yes, at night he goes out and he is the super detective and he kicks people in people's ass and throws them in jail and blah, blah, blah. But during the day, Bruce Wayne um, is the world's is foremost. Yeah, the world's foremost philanthropist. Yes, but Nolan decided to play up the playboy angle, right? Which, which is part of it, but it's an act, and it, it almost, you know, it wasn't an act, right? It was a mask, a persona. It, it was a persona. It was a persona, but it was a persona that he that he got a little too into. And I, I think it was a. Pers- it became a persona. At one point, it was not a persona. If you remember, with uh, when he was going to go and kill Joe uh, Chill. Joe Chill. I mean, he was basically just a trust fund vapid fuck. Yeah, and I apologize to the trust fund vapid fucks out there who are listening to this. It's not all one percenters. Actually, actually, uh, if you are a vapid trust fund fuck, turn off our show now. <laughs> fuck you, one percenters. <laughs> and unless you want to sponsor us, fuck you. Then give us money and then fuck you. Um. We don't want your money. Yeah, we do. Shut up. Give it to Bernie Sanders. Give it to me. Bernie Sanders. I'll give it to Bernie. No, um, he'll take it and give it to somebody else. That's true. That's exactly what he did. Yeah. So anyway, and in, in the comics, Bruce Wayne was never actually like that. Mm-hmm. He was never the pampered socialite that they make him out to be. No. He that was, he makes himself out to be. Sorry. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, even even say in like Justice League, he's not presented as that sort of like playboy. He's presented as being ultra smooth. Yes. And as really, Bruce Wayne. That, I'm trying to think of when in the comics that playboy persona really comes out, and I'll tell you. Frank Miller comes to mind. Right. 
And maybe like the early Bob Kane days. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Well, maybe. I mean, that was that was probably the influence of the shadows. Yeah, that's more of a trope, though. I think at right. that point it was more right. of a trope. And and even even with the shadow, Lamont Cranston was just another assumed identity. Right. So but, you know, the fact that he's just pretending to lay about all the day and do nothing. But you do. You don't really get a lot of he's. Well, maybe the fifties, but the the millionaire playboy thing is not really used a lot in the comics. No, because because a character like Batman, who is so brutal, and admittedly he is brutal. Um, you know, you have to have you you can't have him just consumed by the darkness and the brutality. You have to have the light side where you see who Bruce Wayne actually is. Right. You know, and yet you're not going to fill comic panels with uh, Playboy shenanigans, you know. Right. You want to see, see the Batman who donates $10 million to, you know, a free clinic in Gotham, you know, at the drop of a hat. Right. And but, like, but, but does it sincerely, not in that... Right. Exactly. Or I just bought this restaurant. Right. And, and we'll get to that. We'll get to that in the discussion yeah. of the Dark Knight. But <laughs> yeah, the Bruce Wayne, the Bruce Wayne of the comics, the Bruce Wayne of the animated series, uh, even even Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne, you know, is is the epitome of generosity. Right. And he's not generous to political cronies. He's not generous to um, you know the people that he's chosen to run Gotham. It's pretty much anybody who needs it. Right. You know, it's like Alexander Knox. You know, Alexander Knox is like, oh, hi, Alexander Knox. Can I have a grant? Yeah. You know, and then Alfred Michael Keaton's, yeah, Alfred, give Knox a grant. <laughs> well, and, and, and even like people who don't necessarily deserve his philanthropy get his philanthropy. He, right. There have been times where he's beaten the crap out of like some two bit thug who's had a bad break and said, if I ever see you on the streets again, you're going straight to jail, and then turn around the next day, the guy has a job at Wayne, at Wayne Enterprises. Right. Because apparently even sweeping the floors at Wayne Enterprises is a damn good fucking job. They have a good benefits package. Apparently. Um, yeah. Because, you know, Bruce, Bruce Wayne, you know, and they, they, they do not emphasize this in the movies at all. They they talk about Dr. Wayne, Dr. Thomas Wayne, and Martha Wayne, you know, in past tense, but they never really talk about what they did. Dr. Dr. Wayne, Thomas and Martha Wayne were just like what we see of Bruce in other media. They that's right. all they did. He was a doctor, he was mega rich, but right. you know, what didn't didn't Thomas Wayne run like the Gotham Free Clinic for a long time? Before right. he was dead, yeah, with Martin. with, uh, with uh, what's her name, uh, Doctor Tompkins. Yeah, yeah, and he, I think they donated he donated a lot of his time to Arkham. Now it's funny because Kim had mentioned earlier that Alfred um, mm-hmm. was the, one of his moral compasses in this movie, mm-hmm. and Alfred is the only source you have to even look at any of Bruce Wayne's emotions. And they're all True. they're all focused through Alfred's perspective. 
Mm-hmm. He never, he never broods in front of the portrait of his parents or visits their graves or any of that. Right. Which you know, oh, is, that's did, like did I don't even think it. he visited Crime Alley in any of the films. Mm, I, I want to say maybe because there was a part in the first one where they said, "Oh, this used to be a great neighborhood," but he might not have been there. Right. And that's a that's a key portion of the Batman character as well is the annual visit to Crime Alley. Right. There's just no. I, I understand you don't want to dwell on his parents getting shot because that's like everywhere, and you don't really need that at this point. But you do need to have that con- emotional connection between Bruce Wayne, Batman, and his dead parents. Right. Because without because they're the reason. Yeah. Without those dead parents, you don't have. Mm-hmm. And then, on and top every of the fact that Joe every failure didn't get away, right? And and in that every failure is he's failing his father and his mother. You know, it's like if, for example, at the end of the Dark Knight. I mean, if this were a comic, you know, Bruce Wayne would have been standing before the picture of the the, the Waynes, the big painting that hangs in his library. Right. You know, brooding and you know doing a soliloquy like, "I'm so sorry, I failed you." You know, that sort of thing, because that's what Batman does. He, Father, when he's standards. I'm sorry, I failed. Well, no, he talks in his Bruce Wayne voice. When he does that. <laughs> I failed you. Worthy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> You know we didn't get we didn't get that great TOS Harvey Dent plea from Bruce Harvey. So so it brings us brings us into the Dark Knight. Um, you know we see we we it opens up we see that Batman has inspired um some other people to put on hockey pads and uh, party city masks. But he won't let them have their fun. Because but he won't let them have gig. their fun. He, that's uh, his gig. He's Batman. You're not. Right. Right. And he's after Crane, who apparently has gotten away scot-free. Right. And is selling fear toxin to the Russian mob. Like you do. <laughs> as psychedelic drugs. Nice! You know, Jonathan Crane is the, uh, is the bigs of the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, he shows up in all three. Yep. Unscathed. Yeah, and, you know, and truthfully, oh, let's get back to let's get back to Batman Begins for a second because they do something at the end of Batman Begins that really defines the tone of the character as is no that, one. Is that the card handing and he goes, oh, well. No. Not the card handing. Does that piss me off? So. The climactic battle on the train. Oh, that. With Rachel Ghoul. The train, the rails collapse. The train's falling over, and Batman just looks at Rachel Ghoul, says, "I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you," and just lets him fall. Batman yeah. does not do that. Yeah, that's that is you know the. The pugilist's equivalent of a lie of omission. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and truthfully, and truthfully, that reminded me of one of the first Mr. A strips I read. 
Oh, yes, yeah. I, I've suffered through Mr. A. It's, Speaking of Ayn Rand. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, you couldn't bring this discussion up without Ditko and Mr. A coming into the picture. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's, uh, Mr. A is in a very similar predicament. The, the villain of the piece has, through his own accidental efforts in, in the battle with Mr. A, is hanging precariously off the edge of a building, and Mr. A is, you know, black is black, white is white. You know, that was, I imagine Mr. A talks in a Batman voice. And he just lets the guy fall. And that we get that exact moment from Batman Begins. Yes. Well, when uh, Daredevil was put in a similar situation in the Netflix series, mm -hmm. um, where, the, where the guy actually said, just leave me. Right. Knowing full well that leaving him was tantamount to signing his death warrant. Right. Daredevil did not want to do it. No. And he struggled and argued until he had no choice but to leave the guy. Right. Exactly. And it, mm. was, it was like a big watershed moment in that series. Mm -hmm. for, that, for, that, for the character of Matt Murdock. Right. Matt Murdock immediately went to church afterwards. He had to compromise his own morals in order to continue on with his fight. And Batman, who we... Had, who has one rule, <laughs> de deliberately breaks that rule. Hey, Kim, what was the what was the body count for Batman in Dark Knight? Um, shoot. Over 20? <laughs> well, I had him pegged at 16 overall. But that, that might be wrong. I haven't watched all three of the movies yet. Oh well, it's more than sixteen just from the ashram that he let burn in the in the first act mm -hmm. of of uh, Batman, Batman Begins. Begins. Well, exactly. I haven't watched that one yet. Oh, yeah, he lets or, a whole. I, I watched he it, it was whole, too long ago. He lets the whole uh, Brotherhood of Assassins temple burn to save right. to mm -hmm. save uh, one guy who stole a goat. Nice. <laughs> right. Yeah, because Bruce was supposed to execute that guy. Right. Oh, I'm not going to do it, but you all can fucking burn. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and and that sets up, you know, Batman being, you know, this having this moral code of not killing or and trying his damnedest not to get everybody else killed into if you're innocent, whatever his definition of innocent is or undeserving of death and those who deserve death. And he basically becomes judge, jury, and executioner in, in Gotham. He doesn't pull the trigger himself, but he doesn't actively try to prevent somebody else from dying to face justice at the hands of law and order. Right. <clears throat> Which... Who needs due process after all? Right. Who, who cares? Who cares about due process? Yeah. Well, he's just a bigger monster than most of the people he's fighting. This this is true. This is true. Um, and I think I think Gordon knows that. So in, in a lot of ways, what you have by the time we get to the Dark Knight is you have a Batman who is judge, jury, and karmic executioner since he doesn't kill with his own hand. Right. Mm -hmm. Um 
But for some reason, the bad guys just end up dying. Um, and you have Gordon using this as a psychological weapon against the people of Gotham. Uh, as you, if you recall, one of the opening scenes of the Dark Knight, Gordon turns on the bat signal and it's shining up against the clouds and it's you know, all like its glory. Right. I, I don't know. He's out do there. you think? You know, the, and I forget who the cop was with him, um, but he says, "Do you th do you think he's going to show up tonight?" And he's like, "Doesn't matter. I just like to turn it on to remind them that he's out there." Yeah. And there you go. So on on the one hand, you he's Wayne is selecting people to restore Gotham to this image in his mind of what it should be. And he's also placing people in positions of power that will support his privatized war on crime. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and and it, you you sit there you sit there and you're watching that okay and you see that coming from from Gordon um, and then later you have Harvey Dent now Batman is given unrestricted access to crime scenes by Gordon mm -hmm. it's like you know For what the, the Gotham know, Police Department is corrupt and they would look the other some of them would look the other way when there's a mob payout well Gordon's crew looks the other way when Batman shows up. Right, and so what so reason is unknown because Batman doesn't do any detecting detective work except for analyzing a bullet, right? Which he stole out of crime, act of crime scene, right? <laughs> you know, normally he does that before the cops get there. <laughs> oh, and then, and not only that, but he insults the cops by saying, "Give me ten minutes of the crime scene before you people hmm. fuck it up." Right, you know, and although although that's that's Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock, you know. Oh yeah, but but Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock operates within the law, right? Yeah, true. And he doesn't try to hide who he is. Well, yeah, Cumberbatch's Sherlock, Robert Downey Jr.'s Sherlock is practically Batman, hmm. or Iron Man, or Iron Man. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes and Tony Stark. Wow. Well, I mean, his his Sherlock Holmes does more detective work than Batman ever did in these movies. That's in true. One scene. It's it's very true. It's very true. And and, and yeah, you know, you're right. Half the screw-ups. Richie's Richie's Holmes is Richie's Holmes is probably the best Batman movies ever made. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like that movie. It, it's true, though. I mean, the opening of the first Sherlock Holmes movie, the thug is walking down the stairs, and you and he does the thing where he hides in the shadows, and he analyzes his plan of attack. Right. You know, how and to the point where how long it's going to take him to recover. Right. Meaning he's not going to kill him, and then jumps out of the shadows, does his thing, and then keeps on going. That's Batman. You know, Batman's not. You know, we we talk about. We love to talk about how badass Batman is in a fight. But all in all, yeah, he's there. He's there. He's kicking your ass. But he's not going to put beat you to the point where you die. Mm 
Well, also, he's kicking your ass, and he knows how to do it. It's right. Well, and he's, he's only kicking ass because of his training. He doesn't sit there and analyze every possible... I mean, he doesn't sit there and analyze every single move he's going to make in advance. Well, actually, that's, that's, part of, that's also part of the Batman mythos, is that he plans ahead. Right. He has contingencies yeah, for every extent. possible circumstance. And he's a master of every martial art, blah, blah, blah. Which, right. which you would... Assume, Even though Dick Grayson's a much better fighter than he is. Right? Which you would assume is more cerebral than actually the actual fighting. Right. I don't know, because... There, there's a comic. It's Batman versus the Hulk. And the Hulk... <laughs> Obviously, you can kick the shit out of Batman. You've read this? No, I have not read this, but that is an absurd concept. He th- the Hulk throws, they're in a parking garage, and he, he throws a car at Batman, and Batman has a panel where he's going, I only have one chance. And he jumps through the open windows and out the other side of the car. Nice. <laughs> so, I mean, he, traditionally in a fight, he does think. Right, so, he's... And he's thinking, he's thinking, it's like a chess game, he's thinking right. four or five moves ahead. And that's the thing about Batman, up until very recently, and it's probably, you know, Nolan's fault as much as Miller's. Mm-hmm. There's no thinking anymore in Batman. Right. He's just become a guy who punches people. Uh, he's, he's become reactive. Yes. You know, um... Yeah, I mean, in, in one respect, Batman is kind of reactive to begin with, you know, but he goes in. Right. He reacts to the crime, the specific crime. Right. And, and and this Batman, Nolan's Batman, doesn't involve himself with any crime other than, unless, other than you know, anything involving people that he's working with. Right. I mean, you know, Batman... Traditionally, you know, the Dark Knight should have opened. Well, the Dark Knight kind of opened with Batman doing that sort of thing. He's out after the Russian mob. But then we get the fact that Batman's been working with Gordon to take down all of the mob. So, you know, the fact that he's dealing with Crane is only a side effect of him tracking the Russian mob. Right. And, of course, he, uh, radi- the lightly irradiated bills, yeah. which presumably Batman is the only guy who can track those. Right. You know. So, which, then they introduce Harvey Dent to us in The Dark Knight. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Harvey Dent has this, uh, this, wow, I mean... The Republicans would love to have him on, on the debates because I make my own luck. Right. I mean, just that line right there just goes to show you. He you cheats. Know, he's more than willing to cheat. To he, he cheats, he, and he's, he makes his own luck. He, he follows his own interest throughout. He, that's what Harvey Dent does. You know, on the one hand, he has this sense of altruism in that I have this job that I was elected to do, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do it. But he does it his way. Right. I mean, he slugs a witness in a courtroom. 
Now, granted, that witness pulled a gun on him, but he's still... That was still, actually kind of badass. Yeah. Because he took the gun and pulled it apart. Right, and told the guy, and basically accused Falcone right right there on the public record. It's like, if you're going to try to kill me, you know, buy American. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if that's not GOP, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they... All this so, crap is made in China. So... We have we have we have Harvey Dent who is you know he like like I said he makes his own luck and he cheats because he he's like he's always like okay I'll flip you for it and it's that two headed coin where he always wins because it's whatever Harvey wants Harvey gets right and in in one respect that's the hero of Harvey Dent. You know, is he's the man who will not compromise. He always gets what he wants. You know, whatever Harvey is, his interests are are supreme. Uh, he uses that against Rachel Dawes several times in the movie. Um, and then his his face heel turn when he when the Joker creates Two Face effectively. What they do to make a villain out of Harvey is to give him a duality, meaning that when he flips his coin, it's not always what Harvey wants. Right. right. But even even as a villain, it's still what Harvey wants because, for example, he's in the limo with Falcone, and he flips the coin, and he gets the, the clean side, and he doesn't shoot Falcone, and he flips, it, flips the coin again, and Falcone's, what, what are you doing, you know, you just you said only one flip. He's like this one's for the driver, right. and he shoots the driver. Well, that's like the same thing as as Nolan's Batman. Eventually, right. you know, he's gonna get what he wants because just do it until it works. Right, right. And the thing that turned Harvey Dent, what wasn't the sense of betrayal? It was because they let him live and let his girlfriend die. Right. So I mean, it was yeah, but he his, took the easy way out, which was to blame Batman for. Well, even his, even him blaming Batman, it's like you're turning into a villain because your girl died. Mm-hmm. Really, that's why you're turning into a villain over a woman. No offense to women or anything, but really, because of some bullshit sexist crap, you're turning into a, a villain. Hell, they even call him the White Knight. Hmm. <laughs> so, so, so you have that. You know, you have Harvey. Harvey willing to cheat the system to get his own ends. Um, there's the, the the scene the the scene at the restaurant where, you know, Harvey and Rachel are sitting there having a nice dinner. Bruce Wayne just <laughs> busts into the room. And he's like, "Hey, let's put a couple table tables together, and we'll we'll hang out, and we'll have dinner together." Just foists himself on Harvey and Rachel, right? Because Rachel's and, his, right? Exactly. Right. Rachel. And this, you know, like I'm I'm Bruce Wayne, alpha male. So and that's a, that's what it is. This restaurant. Yeah, and he's like, "I don't think they'll let us do that." He's like, "I think they will because I own the place." And I was like. Hey, look at me. I'm, I mean, I'm Batman. Just like wear a shirt that says I'm a douche. 
Alfred orders the extra large cod piece. <laughs> and, and where are like the regular people? In They're this? invisible. Every regular person you meet is either a street thug or a homeless person. Right. You know, I mean, or, or random extra or number 16. Or a cop. Or a cop. Gotham City has one of the largest police forces I've ever seen. Yes. With yeah. no middle class. What did they say, like 3,000 or something? Uh, I think that's just how many were in attendance at Gordon's funeral. No, but I, I'm thinking ahead to... Uh, Dark Knight Rises, where they trapped all the cops underground. Yeah, and I thought I remembered them saying there were 3,000 cops who hadn't seen daylight in X amount of time. Right, and right. But there were still cops above ground, too. Because, I, would like, um, I would like to know who sends the entire police force down into the sewers to look for a guy. The entire police. Not like send teams out. And and recon back, and when you find them, we'll we'll go and get root them out of there. No, you put them in there. You put them all. You put them all in SWAT gear. What the fuck? And send them all into the sewer. I'm sorry, but you know, whoever made that that Gordon commissioner is an idiot. Needs to be fired. Uh, Bruce Wayne. It was the Joker. Head. And I think you've illustrated the point we've been trying to make this whole show. Right. Um, but that just doesn't make any sense at all. Plot-wise, I guess it makes sense plot-wise. Really? How do we get rid of all the cops? How do we get rid of all the cops? We'll send, all, we'll send them all into the sewer at the same time. Oh, nice. <laughs> they can listen to my insufferable chatter. Batman, my cod piece is much larger than yours. I got a war on my word. I want to But see, now, now listen. We've we've talked about the we've talked about the heroes, you know, and 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 how Galtian the heroes are. Let's let's talk about the villains. I mean, the Joker, because because you know we get to hear his philosophy quite often. The Joker is the authoritarian boogeyman that everybody says the philosophy of anarchy is. Right? And if you listen to Catwoman and Bane, they say things that sound right out of Occupy. Oh, yeah, and Occupy was going on at when that film was being made. Mm -hmm. It was the tail end of Occupy. As a matter of fact, I think one of the right-wing pundits had wanted to boycott the film. Right. Because um, they thought, obviously they never watched a damn thing, that it was an advertisement for Occupy. <laughs> Why would you make your villains? <laughs> right. And that the use of the word Bane reminded you of Bane Capital. Which right. Bane was the opposite. He was Mitt Romney's nightmare. Right. He was. Not, not Mitt Rom Bruce Wayne was Mitt Romney. Mm hmm Right. And, and it's like, you know, he comes out of retirement. What's the first thing that Bruce Wayne does? He has a party. Yep. 
Or he goes to a party. No, he's at he's at the Wayne Mansion. Oh, that wasn't no, out of retirement. That was. Well, oh, that he was a party in his mansion, but never showed up to it. And that was so when he was still retired. That was right, Gordon. When Gordon was going to give the speech, right? Exposing he all the lies. No, he, he came out of retirement after learning that that uh, what was it, an orphanage or something, was no longer being funded for a boys' club. Yes, it was the orphanage. Because Wayne Enterprises were broke. Right. Because you know, geez, orphanages don't get tax benefits in Nolan's world. It's all private enterprise. Mm-hmm. Right, so so Bane steals all of Bruce Wayne's money, and, and truthfully, this is what gets Batman involved. I mean, he starts getting a little. He wants to get back in the game after Selena Kyle steals his mother's pearls. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, not he not because his ass. you know, not for any other reason. But. Yeah, that's personal vendetta, and he doesn't really go start going after Bane until he breaks Wayne Enterprises. Through his stock market stunt, which the real Bruce Wayne Wayne never would have allowed. Right. The, the real Bruce Wayne has so much money that you know his the money he stashes in his socks is yeah, more than being stolen. All stocks. Right. Right. And and that's the that's the funny thing because yeah, remember he takes the over. real Bruce Wayne would never have left his fucking fingerprints on the safe. That's true too. Hmm. You know, I think his mansion would have more security, though. At least, like a locked door. And how does Alfred not know who is working for the caterers and who is the cat burglar? I wondered about that. He's supposed to be the guy in charge of things. Yeah. And he should know, unless, unless he, you know, Selena had been working for him for a while. She, she may have passed all of his all the background checks. Could be. Although Bruce Wayne's background checks are, you know, something else. Well, I, I don't think so because it didn't take long to finger who it was to figure out it was Selena Kyle, and she has a record a mile long. Right. And that was part of the whole her whole story arc was trying to get the the eraser program. So she mm-hmm. start anew. Start anew in a different place. I mean that's like she the tired old well. plot device of sneaking into a highly armed compound by stealing a uniform's guard and posing as a, a uniform well, posing as one of the guards. Truthfully that's that's Catwoman's trope. I mean that's that's what she does. She actually did a pretty good job as Catwoman. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked her as Selena Kyle. She she's very very good Selena Kyle. Um I wasn't sure about the whole night vision goggles thing that flipped up and looked like cat ears. <laughs> but Yeah. I also don't like the way they played Bane False. Bane really gets again. The, he gets the short end of the stick in these movies. Yes, he does. I mean, the the actual Bane, for those of you who don't know, broke Batman in his own right, on his own volition, because he wanted to be top dog and 
in Gotham. Right. And the and only to do that, you had to get through the Batman. Right. I mean, you could go through, and you probably he probably could have like beaten up a bunch of mobsters and stuff like right. that. But, but the quickest way to the top in Gotham City in the comics is to take out Batman. And he did you take it out Batman, the- and crime is your oyster. But he did it really intelligently. He mm-hmm. never he didn't just like come in with his ragtag gang of uh, lower mm-hmm. class goons. Right. He he let every lunatic in Arkham go free and mm-hmm. made Batman run himself ragged picking up after them. Deduced the location of the Batcave just by watching Batman's movement patterns. Right. Let himself tire himself out until he couldn't fight and then kick the living shit out of him and broke his back. Mm-hmm. Which was only cured by psychic healing from Dr. Sandra Kinsolving. Right. Rather than a kung fu punch to the back. Prison doctor punched his back in place. I mean, come on. Yeah, Yeah, but he he hung him up in that little swing thing. Oh, yeah, that makes it all... That makes all the difference. Inversion therapy, man. It's good for your back. Right. So, so yeah, we have Batman fighting Occupy. We have Batman fighting an anarchist. Oh, no, yeah, but Occupy being super duper evil. Oh yes, absolutely. Mm. That's important. Because they what? Uh, because the one percenters had to go out on the ice. The one percenters had to go out on the ice. Damn one percenters. No, I guess they didn't have any for their martinis. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> they were like sentencing anybody who had a bank account to death. And I think I think that's one of the weird things about the Nolan movies is that when you sit down and you look at it and you look at the way people reacted to the movies, more people seem to be rooting for the Joker. For Bane than they were for Batman. Yeah, because Batman was an idiot. Well, Batman, Batman is everything people hate these days. Right. And, and we won't get into the fact that you know he punches mentally ill people for kicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or has a rage control issue. But seriously, the guy needs Xanax. He does. That's true. That's true. But yeah, it's it's like you said, the the normal people in Gotham. You know, most of what we see are either the you know, we see the huge income equality gap in Gotham. But all of our heroes are this I mean even even Gordon Gordon is probably the closest thing we have in Gotham City to middle a middle class guy. Right. Looking just looking at the apartment that they that that they live in, right? But yeah, every, everybody else. I mean, well, no, the the kid that, that ended up playing Joffrey in was it Begins, who lived in the tenement building, right? Uh, you know that kid. If you remember some of the dialogue 
you know, his his father is telling him, get away from that window before I beat your ass. Right. You know, and he just gives him a periscope. You know, O'Neill Batman would have stuck his head in the window and said, you're not going to do that. If I catch you talking to that child like that again. <laughs> He's going to be Robin. <laughs> <laughs> You win the internet. <laughs> I mean, you won the internet. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. <laughs> if you look at Bane's gang, they are truck drivers, mm-hmm. city workers, yeah, delivery yeah. people, shoe shine guys, yeah, blue collar workers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and. People who can blend in really all, easily. But they're all horribly evil. Right. I mean, they're, yeah, because, you know, they didn't, they're parasites. And they want their own, they want what they deserve. Mm-hmm. That they, they didn't work for. It's so, funny that, that Anne Hathaway says to Batman or Bruce um, in that movie where, she, where you know, at least uh, I have something and I didn't get it by stepping on the backs of other people who, who are uh, lesser than me. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, she said, and he couldn't really say anything about that. Because right. that's what he does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Batman doesn't give a damn about your I mean, constitutional I rights, back to due process. <laughs> I think the same thing was said back in... Uh, Dark Knight, too. Something about uh, my father built this, or something ah, something along those lines where uh, I actually worked for it. I didn't stand on the shoulders of other people who built the city for me, or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. Dang it. I have to watch well, it again, then. Okay, if you go back to the no. Dark Knight, if you go back to the Dark Knight, you have the other the other uh, middle, I guess you'd call him a middle class guy, um, who was presented as a total dick, was the accountant who figured out that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Oh, right. And how does Lucius Fox handle that? He threatens him. And in probably well, one of the greatest pieces of scripted threatening ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. You believe look at, look at that your employer one of the richest, most powerful men in the world, dresses up in a costume and punches criminals with his bare hands. And, and you want to blackmail this person? <laughs> <laughs> I have an interesting show note because I, I took a couple of them for this. Okay, and let's we, hear. We hit a lot of. We know we hit most of them, but the the one I wrote it as Arrowhead begins, and really the whole. All three movies could be summed up in the first scene of the first movie where Bruce Wayne takes the arrowhead and runs away with it. And runs away because they found it on his property. Right. It's his. So it makes it his. So he's basically gone. Mm hmm. And, yeah. and that is his whole. It's not his parents dying that is his motivational force. 
is it's, his it's parents. Rachel, it's Rachel taking a an arrowhead from him, and his parents not doing anything to have him give it back to her. Well, it's it's that okay. Now now you can expand that. His parents died. His parents were the pillars of the community. The Wayne Wayne Tower is the heart of Gotham City, right? They they were the effectively the king and queen of Gotham. They die, and that's it's Bruce's fortune. It's Bruce's company. You know, it's my company, right? It's you know my legacy. Um, so it effectively Gotham is my city, right? So and everything he does. Is because he is because like like that arrowhead, he has it in his hand. It's mine. It was here. You know, you're you're coming in. You know, this is this is my city. Now here's the question: and Doesn't he say something like that to to uh, Ra's al Ghul he at may. the party? Something something similar to the fact that what are you doing in my city? Yeah, he may. Here here's the big question. Because I don't really see a lot of personal growth in the character of Batman mm. or Bruce Wayne outside of, yes, he, he left a bunch of money in the mansion for uh, the orphans. Right. The, the, you know, the 12 orphans or whatever. Right. And he gave it up and ran away with Selena Kyle. Right. Does him yes. giving it up and running away and assuming a new identity, does that redeem him or is that just more... Him running away from his problems. Um, that's effectively he's gone like back that. to back to where he was at the beginning of the Dark Knight Rises. He was he he was retreated from society. He right. didn't want anything to do with Gotham. He didn't want it was I, I you know fuck this you know this is my life my happiness I'm not doing anything about it and pretty much the Dark Knight Rises that's what it's all about is. Bruce Wayne getting his happiness back. And I suppose it's supposed to be a happy ending, but that's not Batman. No. Batman... Go ahead, Think of it from a medical perspective. At the beginning of The Dark Knight Rises, he learns what horrible shape his body is in because of all the hero stuff he's been doing over the years. And his body's basically gone to crap. But when did and all this? Alfred tries, even Alfred tries to convince him. You know, you're not up for this anymore. You need to quit. But so couldn't it be true that at the end of it, it's just him finally realizing that I have to take care of myself. I have no choice anymore. The only reason mm. he was able to walk at all without a cane was because of that uh, apparatus that Fox gave him to help right. his cartilage-less knees function. But see, here's 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 the other thing is that you know he pretty much you know quits after after the events of the Dark Knight. So what did he do? Blow his knee out running away? Yeah, I mean they that did. I don't know. They did say that I haven't seen you in eight years. Right, and it's been eight years since Harvey Dent died. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also eight years of the cops chasing who they think is the big villain. Yeah, but I, I don't. I think they chased him one night. <laughs> really? Yeah, they chased him one night. He escaped and went in and immediately became Bruce Wayne the Recluse. So where um, do we do we have any way to know what happened during those eight years? Plot. It, it's he. His body is shot to shit because of plot. 
because you're right. gonna you're gonna assume that oh yeah Batman, it's got to take a toll on you. Yeah. Being mm-hmm. Batman, and well, it should if you were actually being Batman for eight years. For eight years, but he wasn't. But he was Batman for a lot longer than that before that, right? I don't think he was Batman for all that long because at the end of Batman Begins, Gordon gives him the Joker card and says, "There's this." Guy. New, new player in town, right. player for the dramatic, just like you. And and he doesn't know who the Joker is in Rises, so it's either a plot hole or the events of, of The Dark Knight happen a couple of months after Batman Begins um, ends. Or he didn't give a shit about the Joker for however many years. Until the Joker. Well, the Joker, the Joker didn't come out of hiding until that big heist at the mob bank. Right. And he didn't really, even then, he didn't come out of hiding. He was still kind of mysterious. He really only came out of hiding after his meeting with all the mob bosses. Right. So the Joker was kind of ancillary to, to the story there is because Batman was just tracking mobsters. So it was a plot hole. Right. So yeah, I mean, obviously, if it was a Lucasfilm, they would have cut that scene in the in this you know special edition of Batman Begins. Right. Probably. So, okay, viewers, it's up to you now. You got to fill in those gaps for us. We need new fan theories, people. Come on. Fan theories. Step fan theories. Step two. There were two Jokers. There were always two Jokers. There were always Twins. two Jokers. One of them is Dick Grayson. One is good and one is evil. Um, yeah. So that's that's what we got. Uh, it's ten forty three. I knew this one was going to run a little long. Yeah. And more people listen to the podcast version anyway. Oh. But I thought it, it went well. Yeah. We. I'm glad we finally got that off our chest. Yeah, I know. You've yes. been waiting to do this episode for a long time. you got to understand, I love Batman. <laughs> I really actually do love Batman as a mm. character. Right. And I think it's a shame what they have done to Batman in the past 10, 12 years. Right. In all media. Now, now okay, this is as an aside and a, and a related thing, just to, just to fill up more air time. Um, you guys have heard about uh, Frank Miller drawing in Superman's wiener. Yeah. Actually, no, I hadn't. <laughs> yeah, there is there. There's he did. Uh, was it a cover or an interior panel or something like, like that? I think it was a variant cover. That is his cover, right? But I don't all think the other cover, everybody else's covers okay. are variants, and you know Frank Miller does his own covers. Ah. Frank Miller, right? And yeah, he he drew in. Superman's wiener. Well, he drew it in. Wow. Not the well, actual wiener. It was not the wiener itself, pants. but you know, the bulge. Yeah, you see the super bulge. Right. It was like that which, scene in Spinal Tap with the uh, with, with the metal detector and the the uh, cucumbers. Mm-hmm. Now, what I want to know is 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 he going to do the same thing to Batman? And if so, is Batman's wiener going to be larger than Superman's? Are we seeing the start now, of the trend? Batman. Because we know he we know we know Batman I mean Frank Miller hates Superman. 
Superman does not need to wear a cup because he's Superman, Superman doesn't need to wear a costume. That's true. But Batman needs to wear a cup. Right. I mean, you've got to assume that standard Batman and whatever bat suit he's wearing, whether it be the rainbow Batman from Mars or underwater Batman, the man's wearing a cup because he has it's no It's a cup piece. Happening. It's a cup piece. Because <laughs> the first thing I'm going to do is if I'm fighting Batman, I'm going to try and kick him in the balls. <laughs> Just take him out you, right you away. You would think so, yeah. I mean, that was the, the first contingency plan. If the man only armors his chest, because the big bat's a target, and that's Frank Miller, right? Why um, do you think I put a target on my chest? Yeah, that's. I think that was Frank. That was Dark Knight. Yeah. yeah. He's because going. He's going to be wearing a jock and a cup. God, peace. <laughs> 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 it's a goddamn codpiece. <laughs> the Master Race, yes. For those of you who don't know, the new Frank Miller is called the Dark Knight 3, the Master Race. The Master Race? Yes. Wow. Right. I mean, I'm going to assume that 60-year-old Batman's going to be fighting neo-Nazis, but it's Frank Miller, so probably not. Get off my lawn. <laughs> I'll have a latte. Tamron Alfred. Well, it's like... Geritol. It's... It, hell, hell, how old is Alfred? Alfred's like... Alfred's dead in that world when, uh, when... At the end of the first series when he blew up Wayne Manor, he jumped in the hole. Hmm. Now... So what, this is Alfred 2.0? No, there's no Alfred. Maybe Alfred's a, uh, you know... A, an artificial... An, a, an AI on his wrist. And it's A dot L dot... I need actually, actually, oh, man, we have to think up a... a they do that um, in Batman Beyond. Anagram now. They do that in Batman Beyond in the comic book. Where, where Alfred becomes Alfred an AI. Alfred is an AI. Sweet. Now, see, see, in The Dark Knight, Alfred's dead, right? So what he ends up doing is he recruits all the homeless children in Gotham. Oh, nice. As the sons, what they do. The sons of Batman are... sweet Batman. <laughs> Eclipse face. The Reesley Batman as an octomorph. Oh, wow. So, that is awesome. Al so Alfred is really Cthulhu. Sweet. No. <laughs> oh, I want Alfred Cthulhu. Don't make Alfred Cthulhu. Why? I mean, Batman's the Cthulhu of, of comic books. No, he's not. <laughs> no. He's my butler. And my nurse. And my cook. And my teddy bear. Make me a goddamn sandwich, Alfred. <laughs> Alfred Pennyworth, <laughs> you're a failed omelet. <laughs> you know, and and the the tone wouldn't work. Okay, so but remember Batman Returns? Uh huh. 
where Alfred brings him the, the bowl of soup, mm-hmm. and he, he and, and Michael Keaton takes a bite, and he's like, it's cold. it's cold. What the hell are you trying to do to me? And he's like, it's vicious. It's, vicious. Uh, yeah. it's meant to be served cold. And he's like, oh. Wait, it's what? It's good. It's vicious. Or something. I don't remember. It was vicious. It was meant to be served cold. Huh. And then he like eats it, and he's he like, like, oh, oh, oh really cool. good. Okay. Right. No, Christian Bale couldn't pull off that line. No, because <laughs> his Bruce Wayne was vapid and had the no soup is cold. What's wrong with this soup, Alfred? Are you trying to kill me? <laughs> How old is this soup? It's freezing. Well, if you had eaten it six hours ago. Sir, why do you eat soup? <laughs> there we go. Why do you eat it? Why do you eat soup, Master Bruce? Master Bruce, we burn the whole forest down. We eat soup because what the fuck, we have nothing else in the pantry. So and I know how to operate a can opener. It's ramen, sir. <laughs> you'll eat it and you'll like it. What's ramen? It's noodles, sir. <laughs> Fuck your noodles. Fuck your noodles, Alfred. <laughs> you do so much better than me. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So what should I do? Just burn the whole city down. <laughs> That's his moral compass. Right, exactly. His moral compass burned an entire forest to the ground. <laughs> to get one jewel thief. To find one jewel thief. To protect colonial interests. Yeah, that's right. Because God saved the queen. Yeah. yeah. Battle Alfred. He's kind of a... Uh, Proto-Battle Alfred, isn't he? He was a Proto-Battle Alfred. He was just an an aged Battle Alfred. Right. Um, Grant Morrison wrote a really good uh, Battle Alfred. mm -hmm. Or no, Jeff Jones. Sorry, Jeff Jones. Jeff Jones. Well, Morrison did too. He did write uh, Earth One. Where we actually got the... No, that's that's Jeff Jones. That was Jeff Jones who wrote that? Okay. That's the battle out. That's the good battle out. Yeah, that's the. He was like X. He was like James Bond right. back in the day. And yeah, beware the beware the Batman, the short-lived animated I series. Like I didn't like that battle. That was just an older version of the same battle Alfred, though. I didn't like that battle. And they hired Katana to be his sidekick because the battle Alfred broke his foot. <laughs> cool. I broke my foot, Master Wayne. Do I look like I give a shit, Alfred? I broke it, sticking it up your ass. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so <laughs> I could probably do bad Batman impressions all night. But join us on Monday night, where the Monday night heroes will face the masks of Nyra Lethetep. <sighs> 930. Eastern Time. Candyman now has to speak like that. 
I did once in one episode. I, I used a Batman voice. Like I said, I would not want to be Christian Bell's larynx. It's not that bad. You just have to smoke Try a lot of for the whole movie like that. I'm method, motherfucker. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end it here because we're we're obviously having way too much fun. Right. <laughs> this is a serious show. The entire last half hour goes to the highlight reel. So once again, uh, join us Monday night where we will be playing Call of Cthulhu: Mass of Nyarlathotep. Um, bad shit's going to go down. It is. And uh, next Saturday will be another Microphones of Madness. I might do the entire episode as Batman. Is that the Halloween extravaganza? Uh, I, th- I thought the Halloween extravaganza was on Halloween. Yeah, it next one is the 24th. But as we both have kids, maybe not. <clears throat> maybe not. We'll find out. We'll be sure to talk about something scary. That's true. Because it's not who I am that defines me. It's the script that I read. We will give you the Halloween episode that you deserve. That's right. Because I'm not the host you deserve. I'm not the host that you want. I'm the host that you get. So deal with it. Deal with it. Where's Bane? Where's Bane? <laughs> All right, so don't forget to join us Monday night, Monday Night Heroes, Master Nair Lethotep, and next Saturday night, 9.30 Eastern Time, for another episode of Microphones of Madness. Woo. So until then, everybody, you guys Peace have out. a good night. Peace out. Yeah, Later. thanks for watching. Don't forget to smack that like button like a Batman punch. Smack it. Smack it. Smack it, bitch. <laughs> you know you like it. <laughs>